Hey, what is up, Leftover Army? This is a bonus episode for you. This was an interview that Joe Stark from Starkcast and myself uh, had with Image comic book writer Alex Pacnadel about his new book, All Against All. And uh, yeah, we talk about his book. The artist on this book is Casper Wingard, who did Homesick Pilots. Uh, Alex Pacnadel has done DC versus Vampires, All Out War. And uh, he also is doing the upcoming Red Goblin ongoing for Marvel. So that's very exciting. But uh, we talked to Alex about his new book. And uh, yeah, let me give you kind of like the synopsis from Image here. A primal vision of humanity gone terribly wrong. In All Against All, it is a distant future. Earth is long gone. But a race of alien conquerors known as the Operators have preserved its most savage animals in an artificial jungle environment they barely understand. With no bodies of their own, the Operators move from world to world, harvesting bodies for the organic exosuits they use to wage their endless wars. Ignored and underestimated by his captors is the habit Habitat's sole human specimen, helpless. However, when their efforts to find and harvest an apex predator intensify, he gives them far more than they bargained for. Alex is comparing this. He's basically saying, it like the pitch is, what if Tarzan were the xenomorph from Alien? That's his pitch. I also, when I read the book, I, I gave him a, my pitch of like what I got out of the book and I kind of blew his mind. So you got to listen to his reaction. I, I was, <laughs> it, I thought it was pretty amazing. I, I love talking to Alex. Like we not only talk about the book, but we talk about everything from Starship Troopers to Robocop to, to Dune, which was really not a conversation with me involved. That was more Joe and Alex, but it was great to listen to these two go, go on about Dune. It really was. I was actually, I was actually just like sitting back and just enjoying these two talk about Dune. And we talk about hippos and other animals. So yeah, it gets wild. We have a lot of fun in this interview. Trust me. Listen to this one. You're going to fall in love with Alex. And I highly recommend that you add all against all to your pull list from image. It's a five issue miniseries. Series. And uh, the artwork from Casper Wingard is absolutely phenomenal. And uh, Alex has done a great job with this book. Really looking forward to uh, getting future issues of this book. And then I'm also like, as soon as I can get my hands on his Red Goblin when it when it hits for Marvel, I cannot wait. I actually just looked at the uh, some of the art and a uh, little bit of the description about the book coming out. It looks like it's coming out in February of next year. And so I can't wait to get my hands on his Red Goblin. But yes, check out this interview. And uh, if you uh, if you have Twitter, if you're still on Twitter, yeah, we talk about Twitter too. If you're on Twitter, hit Alex up. Let him know that uh, you like the interview that uh, and and you're wanting to check out the book. All right, guys, that was my cat jumping on my table. Here's the interview. Bonus episode. There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover, counterculture, pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Thanks. 
Well enough. Thank you so much. Sorry, I'm Alex. Nice to meet you. Yeah, it's got your name up there and everything. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brian. My name should be up there. And uh, this is Joe. Nice to meet you, Brian. Nice to meet you, Joe. Thanks very hey, much for having me. Absolutely. Is Casper going to be joining us? Uh, I'm afraid not. Sorry. Yeah, no, he's, um, yeah, he's uh, like, he's uh, uh, like kid stuff. Uh, I mean, I've got mine right upstairs. Sorry. It's, it's like, um, like uh, half 11 here. So, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Well, seriously, yeah, so. appreciate you finding the time to talk with us. And that's too bad because Joe is going to gush over the artwork of this book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> no i'm prepared Let's to gush go. over every aspect of this book alex um uh, I, I mean i won't bury the lead you guys really blew me away with this number one i absolutely loved it i really appreciate that joe thank you so much yeah but uh, look i mean in in all humility it, it's one of those things i mean the, the, the great thing about having an you know a collaborator is you know when someone makes a a qualitative statement like that like i can agree i can't do it when it's my own writing because like that would make me an asshole but if, <laughs> <laughs> if, but i can do it about the art yeah i agree it's amazing right <laughs> well that's got to be i don't know just as a creator yourself and 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 you putting you know your story out there and then to see someone take your vision and then put their artwork to it it's got to be like reading it for the first time, even for yourself, hundred percent. I mean, it, it's um, it's a real interesting one because there's a lot of kind of third mind stuff that goes on. I mean, I know a, a lot of people don't work this way, uh, but I, I was talking to Dennis Camp actually. Uh, I don't know whether you guys have checked out Twentieth Century Men. It's uh, on. It's on my it, pull list, but I haven't. I haven't had a chance. It, like, to... it's extraordinary. Like, it's an extraordinary book. I would. I would really recommend it. But um, you know, we've we've been we've been tight for a long time and i was talking to him about it when i was over in new york and he was saying you know that, that he gets the art through and then almost kind of rewrites the script after the art comes in oh interesting because the art the art triggers something and i do the same thing um i'm sure there are others who do in sort of a limited capacity but it's yeah there's something like it, it becomes something else entirely particularly when you're dealing with artists like of a certain caliber right yes um and then all, all of a sudden it, it isn't that thing that was living in your head anymore or it's become like its own thing and you have to you have to kind of uh not course correct because it's become something better you know but but you know you you have to basically just sort of i mean this is going to sound deeply pretentious and i don't mean for it to but you have to kind of go wherever the kind of the art tells you to go right you know when that happens yeah I what okay this is this is my takeaway from this and tell me if I'm completely wrong when I read this issue but it reminded me and if I'm completely wrong just be like well, I don't know what book you read but you didn't read my book Brian um it reminded me of Jurassic Park but instead of like humans bringing back dinosaurs we've got these aliens bringing back humans and the animals of earth and it's and and it's like you know, we in those movies, we they didn't really know what to expect from the dinosaurs. Actually, they had more information about the dinosaurs than this alien group has about humans and 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 what inhabits Earth. Um, am I way off here? Um, 
okay, no, okay. you're not way off, uh, but that has, but you have just kind of blown my mind. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah, like I, I no, because I mean the, the way I was kind of artic, you know, the way I was articulating it to everyone was it's um, and I'm, I'm by the way I am I am going to use that from net from here on out. So thank you very much for that. You're very welcome. Um, but you know, because like like cross pitching is kind of it's kind of vulgar. You know, like no one really, no one really, if they're pressed, wants to do like you know, it's like lethal weapon right. remains of the day in space. Like no one really wants to do that, but it's a shorthand that kind of helps them. But the way we've been doing it is um, just to say, like, imagine if like Tarzan was the xenomorph from Alien. Yeah. So and, and so it's like it's like a species flipped alien. Um, and that's kind of what it grew out of. So, I mean, I mean, it, it all kind of stemmed from, you know, I had this idea. I, I just got this, like, this weird image in my head, just popped into my head. Like, I, was, I don't know whether I was, like, doing my laundry or I was sitting on the john or something. But I just got, I just got this image of, uh, like, a human being kind of, you know, being the thing that sort of jumps out of, like, a, 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 a you know, an air duct and kind of pouncing on aliens and kind of eviscerating them and stuff. So it, it all kind of grew out of that. But yeah, the shorthand that we've been we've been putting sort of Tarzan and kind of Alien together. But like the, the Jurassic Park thing, I think is more succinct and probably a kind of truer, like a truer analogy, I would say. So uh, you know, thank you. I'm stealing that. <laughs> yeah, by all means, it's just kind of like what I got from it, I, and I didn't feel like reading it. That's what you intended, but that's what I kind of got from it. It was like. Like Jurassic Park has been flipped. I also got like the feeling of, you know how, you know, as a kid you get, uh, not every kid, but I had an ant farm growing up when I was a kid and I, mm -hmm. I would put the ants in there and I would, you know, sometimes I would put something else in there and see how they reacted to it. Nothing to harm them, but just put different things and just see how, how I, 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 so I'm basically the God of this world looking in yeah. at, at these ants and the thing is, it's like, I'm not, I can't always watch them all the time. So when I come back, like they've, I mean, they've, they've built new tunnels. They've got like this whole, everything going in this ant farm. And I felt like there was a lot of kind of like that going on in this book where like they've put, um, they've put this environment together with humans, different, all these different animals. And they haven't always been watching and they come back and things have kind of drastically changed. Um, hmm. now that they've come back and, and see this. So it's, it's kind of like ant farm on a weird, uh, science fiction, galactic alien scale. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Uh, you know, a, a lot of it, I mean, I would say control and the, the lack thereof is, is a big theme. Um, and I suppose the, the, the impossibility of control, right? I mean, there's, there's a whole, there's a whole kind of thread running through the first issue that, you know, the animals have kind of dumped all the surveillance. Um, so they can't really tell what's going on in there, but you still have this, you know, um, I mean, I suppose that the sort of the central protagonist who's, you know, his name is, uh, director Bataille and he, um, uh, he basically prohibits anyone from kind of going into the habitat for reasons, you know, best, you know, best known to himself. Uh, but he's very uncomfortable with anyone kind of going in there. But a lot of that is about um, his, 
you know, he, he believes that sort of anything beyond the kind of membrane that sort of leads into the sort of the Earth-like habitat is um, dangerous and wild and uncontrollable. And, and of course, he's correct. But, you know, I suppose the big sort of category error that he's making is in assuming that things on his side of the membrane are orderly mm. and reasonable and rational, you know? Yeah. I mean, a, 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 like, certainly, I mean, th those are the kind of themes that I sort of wanted to play with. And, um, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to dance through a lot of raindrops and I, and I hope it kind of works out. But, I mean, there's a lot in there as well. I mean, the, the Tarzan thing really was kind of uppermost in my thoughts. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's another one, I think, where if you take that right back to formula, it's making a lot of assumptions um, about sort of nature, nurture. I mean, really, like if you go right back to sort of the origins of Tarzan, you know, it's asked, you know, the, the story, I mean, it's very much a product of its time. And, you know, presentism is, is a problem, obviously, but you're, you're seriously asking readers to accept like prima facie the idea that if you were to take the child the infant child of an english noble family of an upper class english family and dumped it in the jungle then that inherent uh breeding right that inherent nobility would somehow kind of manifest in adulthood mm -hmm. and you know like when casper and i were talking about it we just said well like no like he's going to be biting people's faces off right like obviously <laughs> like, he's going to be like smearing his own feces on everything like it, it you know uh so again, you know, like tr trying to sort of reinforce, like again and again and again, sort of thematically, this this the, these notions of sort of chaos and control, chaos and control, but just leaning into that all the time. Yeah, um, I I was super impressed with the design uh, that Casper came up with the uh, the operators and sure. I, you know, each one looks a little bit different. I even think like the, the way the lettering was done and the different colors for the different operators was awesome. And then you had still, even within the operators, you had like the science class. And then you also have like the generals in the army and the military. So it's very structured mm -hmm. that way. So they're, they're all different and they all have like their own different motives, whether it be, because like the main thing is like they are, uh, they are involved in wars and, and, uh, so, are we are we going to get to see wh who exactly they are at war at with, or is is this a different story? Is that not important to this particular story? Um, I mean, we're going to allude to it, but it's very much, you know, this is a you know, it's a five issue miniseries, and we we don't want to get so kind of caught up in world building. Sure, that it becomes that it, you know. It's interesting, man. Like we were talking about it very early on. Like you know, there's a tendency, I think, you know, with 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 really good kind of consummate world building, you really have to be careful that it doesn't become like a map, right? We're not cartographers; we're storytellers. And I think, like, if you, you know, you look at someone like George R. R. Martin, and I think, you know, that's that's how to do it, right? You know, what he, you know, yes, he will backfill. Um, but it's always kind of character forward and it's always dramatic situation forward. So I suppose what we're really trying to do is we're taking a very tiny corner of this much larger universe and really kind of zeroing in on 
you know, this conflict that, that in some, in some respects kind of mirrors what's going on, you know, we, but one of the things, I mean, I was saying this to, um, I was saying this to someone last night, um, you know, st- like Starship Troopers is one of my favorite movies, right? Like yes. I, I, I love Paul, I love Paul Verhoeven movies like in general, but like, yeah. um, you know, uh, I, I don't, you know, like I think like Robocop is Robocop or the fly might be the best movies of the eighties for me, but like Starship Troopers is definitely up there. Right. Absolutely. And, um, but one of the things that I really love about that movie, and it's so cleverly done, is you never get the kind of casus belli, right? You never find out who started it. You never, fi- you never find out why it happened in the first place. You're just dumped into the middle of this war. And so one of the things that we wanted to do with this is, you know, we don't really want to – we don't want to reveal too much because I think when you do that, you you – you, it's possible to kind of remove a lot of the mystery and to remove a lot of the kind of fascination. I don't, you know, I don't really, all, all, all readers kind of need to know is there is a war happening. Yeah. And they are trying to use, um, earth's animals basically as biological weapons. Well, I mean, right? that, uh, this goes back to what you were saying with alien, like, it, yeah. you know, that's, that's what they were eventually wanting to do with the alien. They wanted to use them, find out, ways to use them for, for war. But in the moment, all the stuff that the government's doing and all that stuff in that first alien movie did not matter. It was all the horror that was going on inside that one ship. That's the only thing that mattered. Well, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it's really like, I I forget uh, my friend Dara said this, and I think there's a lot of truth to this. He said, um, you know, alien is often kind of seen as like, um, the first great sort of sci-fi horror movie. I mean, you know, you could make the argument for like planet of the vampires, you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, but, um, but, uh, this friend of mine is a screenwriter says it, he, he thinks it's the last, um, seventies verite movie. Mm. Like he thinks it's the last new Hollywood movie. And if you look at the, like the, you know, the dialogue in alien, particularly sort of versus aliens, but so much of it is kind of, um, it's the kind of dialogue that you get in sort of um, like Robert Altman movies or Peckinpah movies. You know what I mean? It's very kind of, it's very naturalistic, very grounded, which works beautifully because it's, a, it's, it's what is it? When you, when you really peel back the hood, right? If you peel back the hood, what is Alien? Well, really, it's a load of truckers who get an evil hitchhiker, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the genre is kind of layered on top. But yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the whole Wayland Utani stuff is all a rich, it's a rich scene to mine. But, you know, you had to wait for sort of James Cameron to do that sort of seven years later, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. Now, um, did you did you grow up being a fan of, of Tarzan, the books, the movies? Because I, I grew up when I, my dad was like a huge fan of the Johnny Weissmuller Tarzan. And mm. so I watched a lot of that growing up and, and then also watched the Christopher Lambert movie. Was there, was there that Tarzan, were you a fan of Tarzan going into this? Did you... Um, I would, I, I'm going to say no, Okay. Uh, actually, um, more not, you know, not like not aggressively, you know, it's not, it's not that I kind of find it, um, objectionable, but I think it's something that I kind of, 
it's something that I kind of came to. I was quite lucky, I think, that I, you know, I sort of came to sort of later in life, um, but with a more kind of, um, with a more kind of like questioning, I suppose, perspective on it. You know, I mean, in, in the sense that, you know, you can, you, you could look at sort of James Bond, I suppose, as, you know, yeah, okay, on one level, it's, it's, it's an entertainment and that's great. You can also look at it as a sort of uh, a, a projection of like British soft power after its enormous military decline in the post-war interregnum and all this sort of stuff. It's 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 it's. I, I, I do like. I think that, that there's nothing more useful than sort of taking um, pop culture tropes and 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 you know not successfully like you know this is not hopefully this is not like you know arrogance or whatever but just trying to kind of find a new angle on it yeah you know i think can can often kind of lead you spinning off in all sorts of interesting directions it's like okay here's that thing you know but you know what if you hold it upside down and hold it up to the light like what happens there so that that's really kind of just what I'm trying to do with this really I guess. I love it. It's like you take you take Tarzan, you take aliens, you you take that story and you flip it on its ass and it's just it's it's an amazing way to to to, to do storytelling, I think. Thanks right. Yeah, I mean it, it's um but I mean, people do it all the time, right? And I think people kind of do it sort of inadvertently. I mean, it, it's that weird thing, isn't it, of sort of you know, hitting that point where you sort of realize, "Oh man, like some you know mo, mo, a lot of movies are like the same movie <laughs> you know <laughs> um the aesthetics differ but you know yeah the engine's the same well I, even when you were when you were writing this you had no <laughs> awareness of the jurassic park connection that i kind of kind of brought up and that blew my mind <laughs> no honestly i mean and and the more i think about it you know i mean that's the thing right it's it's like these things seep into your bones in really kind of interesting ways i yeah. remember sort of talking to someone a while ago like about like um or well, i'm reading something about you know uh subtext right and um you know we have i think this sort of false distinction right in our culture right between um and, and, and I think it, it, it's at its most it's, it's at its most acute when people talk about escapism, right? They draw a distinction between, okay, well, you know, here are things that you have to think about, right? And then here are escapist fictions that you don't have to think about. They are they don't have subtext. They're apolitical. Blah 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 blah. And I mean, one of the things I remember sort of being told, sort of, uh, and I agree with this is, man, like, and by the way, this is not this is not a criticism at all, but like. Dude, like, you know, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen has subtext because it's a product of its time, right? It's the people who wrote it are exposed to certain things. They're exposed to certain kind of cultural assumptions, you know, prevailing fears, whatever. And they find their way in there somewhere. The, quite, the only question is whether you try to exert any conscious control over it, right? But it's always there. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, when I was, I was just, I, I saw the operators going into like this research facility and looking at like the, the little test tube babies and, and all that stuff. I was mm. like, it just reminded me of, you know, the, the mosquito in the tree sap that, you know, John Hammond yeah. used. And I, so yeah, it just, all these things kind of like made me have that Jurassic Park connection, which, I mean, a lot of people can relate to, you know, you know, nature killing the dinosaur, man, 
you know, bringing back the dinosaur. And the same thing is, is here. We, we're looking at basically men were the fall of humanity. And there's a reason why we wiped ourselves out. And along comes another species that thinks that, you know, oh, well, we could use this as uh, they're kind of using uh, the, these the bodies of uh, different uh, races and things like that as their own like kind of like exosuits, which I find fascinating. I'm I'm fascinated with um, um, uh, telepresence devices for humans. Like I think that's where things are going to go. Um, and they're kind of using these not just as telepresence. Well, yeah, as telepresence devices, but they actually are embodying these these you know animals or humans, whatever it may be, as their own kind of like skeleton to kind of walk around in. If I'm gauging this right. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. So like the, the, the aliens in this, and, and we have, there was a lot of discussion, a lot of back and forth about this. Um, cause, uh, but we think that there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of kind of mileage in this, right? The aliens in this, the operators, they're these sort of squid, like almost sort of quasi like jellyfish things. Uh-huh. And the way they've kind of become this sort of galaxy spanning civilization is, um, they they can basically take control of all vertebrates, right? They've got one tentacle that's like a scalpel, right? And it can kind of basically slice into an animal, kind of wrap around its spinal column, and effectively kind of take control of its motor functions. But what's happened is they've become such an advanced civilization through this process that they end up, instead of kind of capturing bodies, they just... They make their own, basically. They, they take the traits that they want and they kind of make their own. And they're so kind of far removed from the, I guess, the sort of savagery of that process that they now kind of buy their, they buy their bodies, these exosuits. They kind of buy them in showrooms. And like the analogy I was kind of using, you know, when I was sort of describing it to Casper, it was kind of like in the same way that like you or I would go to a grocery store now and like, we, you know, you buy a bag of chicken. And, you know, if you really want to, you don't have to devote any thought to where that comes from. You know, like a chicken breast is just a chicken breast. You don't you don't have to think about the fact that, you know, there was a process that got that, you know, into that bag. And, you know, they have for them, you know, they have a similar sort of transactional relationship with their own sort of like physical reality. Um, and so one of the things this story does is kind of really kind of bring them kind of back to that kind of that truth, I guess. Um, this thing that they've, you know, the fact that they've been culturally suppressing this idea that their whole kind of physical reality is kind of based on sort of butchery and like vivisection. And, you know, they just don't think about it. They think of themselves as kind of cultured. They think of themselves as civilized. Um, and I was kind of trying to sort of loop that back to, I guess, colonialism, Mm. you know, how much, you know, like I, I, I can, I can go to you know, Liverpool, right? Like, um, which is what, 20 miles away from me right now. And, um, it, like if you, if you guys have seen Batman, which I'm sure you have, you know, most like a lot of that movie was shot in Liverpool and, you know, those huge, you know, the town hall, which is kind of covered in these kind of amazing sort of, you know, um, uh, you know, Doric columns and this fantastic kind of triumphalist architecture and everything all paid for with slavery, man, all play, all paid for with blood. Yeah, but it's it's all been swept away. It's all been cleaned up, you know. And so we get to think of ourselves as you know we're culture, we're civilized. So like I really wanted to kind of loop that back, you know. 
Yeah. Um, because yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, by 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 looking at by looking at humanity from an alien perspective, I think that kind of has value because you're really there aren't you know obviously yeah again you look under the hood there are no aliens in this it's still us it's just that kind of pretense of objectivity that pretense of order yeah i mean you know i guess i guess since they're putting the uh animals and humans in a jungle uh they think that oh it, it's it's better because you're getting a f- free range like a free range chicken <laughs> so now it's like free range <laughs> free- well, the whole point as well is like they don't really know how any of it fits together as well. I mean, there's that kind of arrogance as well. Like they've set all these kind of habitats running. Yeah. But like they have no idea that like you shouldn't put a gorilla in with a polar bear. Yeah. Or, you know, that like putting monitor lizards in with like, you know, snakes is like probably a crappy idea. Like they have absolutely no idea. And so like the whole thing is kind of dying almost from kind of day one. But it's also kind of turning into this like Darwinian hellscape. Yeah. The, know, the, where, the, like the panels with the the two deer mating and they're both malnourished and one's got like a skin disease and things like that. I was like, that was a part that was like, Oh my God. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was kind of sad reading that and seeing that. Yeah. And, and, and just how, you know, you're talking about like, they think they're so advanced and everything, but on the flip side, you're absolutely right. It's, it's barbaric what they're doing. Well, that's it. Like, you know, they're, they're having this, you know, I mean, you know, while, while that scene is playing out, um, you know, you, they're basically watching these kind of two desperately malnourished, dying deer kind of desperately trying to kind of procreate and everything. And um, but they're having this conversation around them that's almost kind of um, I mean, the way I had it in my head is almost it's almost like, anthrop- you know, it's almost kind of zoological. It's like a David Attenborough documentary you know, where mm-hmm. these two aliens are kind of narrating what's going on. And yeah, on, on one, on the one side of it, it's like this desperately sad kind of situation, but they have objectified it to the point that they have like no emotional connection. Yeah, no, you read that. Like you read what I wanted to, what I intended with that scene, like absolutely correctly. Yeah. 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 Because they've completely disassociated from what they're actually doing. And, and that subtext yeah. comes up several times in the book in the opening scene as well. When when they're discussing, you know, should we leave the smaller one here now that was a thumper now that thumper's gone? And yeah, and, yeah, the gorilla. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like they're in the presence of what is likely the most dangerous thing in the biome and they're just writing it off. And. Yeah, you know, I, I, and you just 100%. know and you just know that's going to come back to bite them in the ass hardcore. And yeah. Yeah, what a brilliant idea. And I love the way that they that they are just dissociating from it. They they found just a bunch of vials of DNA and they have no idea what this stuff is, but they know it's a treasure trove and just throwing it all together and it's going to make a volatile compound. Well, yeah, it's it's like how to kind of um instrumentalize it, I guess. Um yeah, like as you say, like h- how to kind of take all of these cuz I mean, it, it really kind of got me thinking as well, like in a, in a, in a different way, um, which is a helpful thing, you know, um, like, you know, if I were an alien, you know, how would I, you know, how would I view kind of life on Earth, particularly if it had never kind of exceeded its own sort of planetary boundaries? And it, and it was really interesting, man. I mean, I'm getting into the long grass here, but like. I was talking to a friend of mine who's sort of, you know, who's a a biologist. And, you know, he was saying, well, you know, 
all of our kind of all of our definitions of of life are kind of somewhat lacking right but you know one that um he finds really useful is you know to categorize because you know a lot of the a lot of the ways of defining living things are often very flawed but he's saying you know one of the ones that he that that really resonates for him is you know a living organism is something that can give the appearance of reversing entropy on a local level so basically you know and like you know if we couldn't if we couldn't give the appearance of reversing entropy we wouldn't heal we wouldn't grow we wouldn't procreate but the fact of the matter is you know we can we can give the appearance of reversing entropy and so i was sort of started thinking about it and i was like okay well so how would an alien view all of this well it'd probably view it as, as the same thing right it's all just one big lump like the thing so this is a planet with effectively one life form that um in order to in order to capture enough sunlight um to reverse entropy it has to continually consume the weaker parts of itself um but it's basically kind of one organism and so that was something that i came up with that i was thinking earlier on is like that that's how they're going to kind of articulate it you know they're not really going to kind of differentiate between species in a way that we would find that we would recognize they're going to go well it's it's all you know it's it's almost like you know what well, it, its thumb is attacking its forefinger you know what i mean <laughs> but it's all they're, they're still they're still like a hand the whole thing's a hand you know too weird too weird <laughs> <laughs> no i was just kind of thinking about it because the 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 metaphor with the hand and it's kind of attacking itself is really succinct because the way this whole thing is set up and it kind of goes back to what I was saying too, that they threw all these things together without knowing what they would actually do. And, yeah. and, and I love that the, when the military person is brought in at the end, that's like a further thing that's shaking this up. Like somebody else that's accelerating this of wanting to go in and, and start finding useful bits of this that they can use in this war. And yeah, because like the, the central character has been kind of content to just sort of observe and just sort of let it do its thing. But yeah, now you're starting to get this because, you know, the reason I, I brought the war into it at all was, I mean, it, it's it's a very functional reason, which is that um, I needed a reason for things to become urgent now. You know what I mean? Like um, there needed to be a reason why going into the going into the habitat to exploit its resources would accelerate and would become almost like an industrialized process like that had to happen now and like that only ever happens in war right that only ever happens in war in a you know necessity is the mother of invention <laughs> yeah absolutely okay. um you'd mentioned that this is going to be a five issue miniseries is is mm. that the way it's always been from the start do you do you have like another idea percolating in the back of your mind where this could potentially carry on to something longer Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, it, it's, um, it's a, it's a corner of a universe. Right. Um, and that's, you know, I, I don't mean that in a, in, in a franchisable way necessarily. Um, but it's certainly, I mean, like, you know, I've given a lot of thought to the kind of the war itself. And I think the war itself kind of has, uh, has legs, but like it, it's, um, it's a tricky one because, um, you know, just functionally speaking, you know, in a novel, 
you're less bound because you know you're leaving it to people to kind of visualize but um particularly with anything with a kind of visual component and casper and i talked about it like a lot um getting over the empathy gap is a real issue right so one of the things that i kind of insisted on when we started this was i said okay like i really want to do I, i want alien aliens right and i think we found a mechanism to do that that was pretty kind of interesting but First of all, you know, when I was sort of talking about through the designs, I was like, okay, so they don't have eyes, they don't have mouths, you know, they just have these like carapace, you know, like they have like a sort of uh, a carapace, right? And the more we kind of went through it, we thought, okay, well, there's a reason why, you know, if I have my druthers, yeah, it'd be like the thing or something where you don't ever really see it or, but really the problem that you have is, you know, there's that bit in kind of understanding comics by Scott McCloud where he talks about kind of imprinting and just saying, like, look, you know, human beings are kind of hardwired to find faces and everything. If you don't give people that, then um, they can't, you know, then imprinting on them, you know, uh, for, for to, to sort of empathize with them is really, really difficult. Even if it's something like Wally. You need to give a kind of uh, uh, you need to be able to infer a face, even if there isn't one there. So, like, we ended up sort of, you know, I, I was initially very resistant to sort of to go down like the avatar route and whatever, you know, which is no, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying anything, uh, you know, I have ultimate respect for James Cameron and everything, but you know, like the Navi are basically like they're just big people, right? They're big people, they've got big eyes, you know, but every the the phys, you know. The layout, the configuration of the Navi is very human, um, but it's all about building empathy. And you know, the, every iteration we went through, eventually we just we just concluded, like man, like they've got to have mouths, they've got to have teeth, they've got to have eyes, you know. And so, um, hopefully, what this series will do is sort of introduce the world, introduce the backstory enough that people are going to be kind of interested enough to sort of want to follow these very non-human protagonists in kind of other scenarios and i think it'll, it'll be i'd be interested to see if it works if nothing else just purely from a sort of cool detached perspective you know <laughs> well it definitely if- works so far in the first issue because you're you're picking that up with the director and the different emotions that he's going through and yeah it absolutely works what what uh what was that process like in in working with casper to to come up with with the the ultimate design for these I mean, like, I would say iterative. Um, I mean, like, it, I mean, interestingly, like, I mean, it, it, uh, he wasn't on board initially, right? So the way this whole thing kind of came together um, was uh, I was going to, I was going to try and find someone else to do it, which is fine. But I was kind of struggling because, um, you know, it's very difficult. You know, I think you really need an artist's eye to, uh, with the best will in the world, kind of draw, to draw a distinction between uh, a, a good storyteller and a good illustrator, right? Because one isn't necessarily the other. Um, and so I always generally, like, I'll, I'll, I'll find someone on, like, Behance or, like, DeviantArt or... or uh, you know, um, Instagram or whatever. And I will sort of go to various kind of artist friends and go, well, what do you think of this guy? 
but um, I went to Casper and I said, look, is there anyone, you know, I've got this story. Is there anyone you've got your eye on that you think might fit the bill? And over the course of a couple of weeks, man, like he just kind of, he just like ended up sending me like concept sketches. Right. Um, and like, I knew like I couldn't afford him and, and like, which is not to say he's expensive. Right. It's just that like he is, um, his, his, his cachet in the industry, his standing in the industry is such that like he commands, um, you know, a, 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 you know, a good page rate, which is absolutely, you know, perfectly you know perfectly perfectly fair um but like after a couple of weeks he just came back to me and he just said look um i really want to do this i think you know that i really want to do this i've basically been working on the concept stuff uh but like you know if you can make the financials work we'll just do it uh so you know i i ended up speaking to chris ryle uh, who's got an imprint at image called syzygy um and you know he agreed to kind of edit the book but also you know we ended up sort of hopefully putting together kind of you know quite an attractive uh you know or certainly you know something that made it worth worth casper's while um and so you know we ended up kind of getting him on the cook and 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 then after that we just kind of i just set him running really i mean i I remember like because you know his most frequent collaborator is obviously dan waters on homesick pilots right and and limbo before that um and i remember sort of you know coming to dan with all of my kind of concerns about oh man like how are they how am i going to be able to kind of get get how am i going to uh get uh readers to kind of empathize with these very very alien characters and he just laughed at me man he just said like uh he said uh, look you're working with casper and i said yeah and he said yeah he said just he's one of you know you can just like you just wind him up and watch and let him go. Like he'll just, he'll, he just fixes everything. And like he does, it's, he's incredible, man. Like whatever brief you give him, like no matter how kind of outlandish, no matter how bizarre, he'll just kind of come back and like absolutely kill it every time. It's insane. I, I, was, I feel like I'm being driven. I feel like I'm being chauffeur driven the whole time. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, just relax. <laughs> I was, I was, it's only one I mean, it's only one little panel here, it, and it blew me away. I've never seen a design like this. the sh- the The operator's spacecraft is just yeah. insane. Like that is yeah. one of the coolest designs I've ever seen for a ship. I'm trying to think, like, how would this even like how would this look live action? But like, even in the panel, it is just. I still don't even 100% know what I'm looking at as far because it is incredible. It, it it parts of it look like it's actually a living thing. And yeah. then and but then there's also tech involved. You can definitely see there's there's like an observation window in the front. Um there's like these um globes that look like within the globes possibly different ecosystems are are yeah. are inside of those globes i was just like that yeah. i mean just the, just the design of that i was just like this guy is incredible i i, I i've never and seen a ship like this before genuinely as well like i mean i gave him such kind of kind of scanty like i think like the only reference i gave him for that was um silent running um, which is a beautiful movie, but you know, that thing looks, it, it almost looks like a cathedral, right? Like that Doug Trumbull kind of, uh, 
designed kind of because you know you've got those kind of hexagonal kind of biodomes, right? Um, but the one thing that I kind of stipulated, I, I, it was such a dumb note. It was like, um, I want like this, like sign up running. I want this, but I but I want it to be kind of organic, mm. which is the the stupidest brief I could have given because it, you know, it's it, it's it's really open ended. It's really nebulous. And he just came back to me, man, about like. God, what ten minutes later with like that ship that you see there, yeah, but almost like scrawled on the back of an envelope, um, and it was just like you know what something like this, and yeah, as you say, it's this kind of it, yeah, the weird or like you know half of it looks like sort of like uh, like a bunch of grapes and like a, you know that yeah, I mean, uh, but it like it was absolutely kind of on point. Uh, I was yeah, I was just blown away, but like. I like to think that he does these things effortlessly, but I also know the guy well enough to know that no, he like he it keeps him up nights. <laughs> he's just like he yes, he's he's egregiously talented, but he's also like like he 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 like beasts himself to get it right like every time. He's like a consummate professional. Well, I mean, you you say it's silly to tell him it's organic and he just pulls it off. Like it's like he read yeah. your mind. It's like whatever you had in your brain that you couldn't put on paper, you tell him oh, no. one direction and boom, you got it. This is the thing though. Like this what I keep I keep mentioning that third mind stuff, man. Like he didn't read my mind, right? Like, you know, like my mind, you know, my mind is like, you know, uh just like carousel music and like bubbles popping you know what i mean it's like that there's nothing particularly interesting going on in here it's he just kind of takes it and like just elevates it you know what i mean and then yeah as i say like i, I take a look at it and i go well like not to put too fine a point on it like shit like i i need to like up my game in order to kind of keep you know to keep pace with this stuff uh, I can imagine your excitement seeing what he's what he's giving you, and then you just—it's oh, Christmas, man. Yeah, yeah every, every like every 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 art dump is Christmas, like hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And you talked earlier about how you know you can, you know, some writers change what they've actually you know had in store for this particular story just based on the artwork. And I mean, with what he's giving you, I'm sure your mind is just running wild with things. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I genuinely, like, I think it kind of, it makes it better. I mean, not to, you know, I, would, I don't want to kind of name names, but, like, it, it works in both directions as well. Like, you know, it's, you can be really kind of fired up. I mean, I'm, I'm very, I'm very lucky. Like, this, this is, you know, this has only happened to me, like, once or twice. Um, but, you know, um, and on very small projects. But, you know, you, you, you have something in your head and what you get back is is not commensurate with what you had in your head and like that's that's heartbreaking and demoralizing mm -hmm. but you know when you're when you're working with someone who really kind of knows their craft it just it genuinely like it, it you know it, it lights the fire underneath you kind of all over again and you know you just want to go okay well like you know as i said like you know like i i have to I have to go back and like I owe it. I owe it to art this good, to to do another pass on this, to refine it further, you know, to elevate it, to kind of to do it justice, you know. It's a it's a beautiful book. I mean, every every panel is is it's beautiful. Like you'll like you know the animals and things like that. You'll see things that are familiar, but then when you get 
the operators, you get the ship, you get to see like even inside the ship and, you know, it, even inside the ship, there are many parts of it that look organic. And then there's parts of it that look like it's, you know, now you've got pipes and, and tubes and things like that. It is just, it's very imaginative. The colors pop on not only the operators, but everything within the environments. Uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Cause it, yeah, it's wild. It's, uh, you go, you go from like being inside the ship and then they're inside of like what looks like a, a jungle on earth, but earth is no more. So it is, it is, it is a wild concept. I, I'm, I'm in. I mean, I'll say as well, like he, uh, he changed his art style for this book. Um, wow. I mean, he does it kind of, he does it on every book. Uh, just, I mean, again, like the guy's just, you know, three steps ahead of everybody else. He does it on every book, like almost kind of to challenge himself, I think. So, you know, if you look at books like – if you look at something like Limbo um, or some of the work that he did on Dr. Afra, he's got a very clean line style. Mm-hmm. Whereas on this – and, you know, we discussed this kind of early on. He said, like, you know, this is going to be a really kind of visceral book, you know. Um, and so, like, I, I want to kind of dirty it up a bit. Um, so he's, he's taken this really kind of, uh, almost like charcoal line. It's still like hyper detailed, still really nuanced. It's everything you like about his work, but it's just got a kind of, there's a bit more kind of dirt under the fingernails. Yeah. And what was really cool about that was, um, when, um, Hassan came in to letter it, um, he, he mimicked the, the kind of, ch- that, that, that rough charcoal line. He mimicked that for the captions and the word balloons. So what we have is like almost like a, you know, it, it almost like it feels like very kind of um, like diegetic lettering, like the lettering absolutely like feels like it's part of the art because yeah. it's the same line weight. It's the same line weight and the same kind of roughness to it. It's got the same weight to it. So it all looks very, you don't have like really crisp lettering on top of these kind of quite, um, you know, charcoal you know, sort of drawings, you know, the, the, it, it's absolutely all, the composition is just all, it's all of a piece, you know? As, as, I mean, some of the, some of the backgrounds are very painterly and then uh, some of it looks, some of it almost looks like it's using like watercolors. It's, it, yeah. it's beautiful. It is, it is incredible art. Like just to, I mean, these, some of these panels I would just like to have like on the wall. They're just so gorgeous. Oh, thanks. Like, as, as I said, like, you know, at the very start, like, uh, I, I have, I have no compunctions in agreeing with you because I have nothing to do with it. Like, yeah, man. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's great. Like, <laughs> Uh, I'm, you know, one thing that I love about you is your love for Starship Troopers. That movie does not get enough love, so thank you. <laughs> not at all. Like, I mean, it's it's one of those, though, isn't it? It's like I, I feel the same way about like, like, do you ever get it's like what like it, it, it's it's a really serious movie. It's just not a serious movie in the way that you thought, like, right? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like in, in yeah. the same way, like you you watch RoboCop when you're a kid and like you watch it as an action movie and yeah. then like, you watch it as an adult and it's like, Oh no, this is like a satire. Of it's a satire. Movies. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, what's, what's uh, starship troopers. The book actually inspired the Marines 
in, that they used in uh, James Cameron's Aliens movie. Like he had read that book and he's like, I love the banter and like the and the closeness, the bond that these Marines have in this book. I'm going to incorporate that into my Aliens movie. And uh, yeah, it's wild. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Like seriously, like – yes. It all feeds in, doesn't it? Like it, it, it's like that the, the weird family tree stuff, isn't it? Like I mean, I remember sort of. Um, I mean, just recently, like I saw that documentary about um, uh, Yodorowsky's Dune. You see that? I have not seen that. Joe, have you seen it? You're a huge Dune fan. No, I I just watched the trailer for it and then made a mental note that I got to see this thing. It looks wild, oh, it, dude. It, it it's incredible because like. Um, like that, like it never got made, obviously, but like every part of it got cannibalized for something else. So like um, all the designs that, that like Mobius did for it and stuff um, all ended up being used in like, like I think like, yeah, like the Nostromo, uh, the Nostromo was going to be in Dune, but like they didn't end up making it. So they just used the design like um a whole bunch of stuff got used in Blade Runner that was never used in Dune and stuff. Like it, it's this weird thing where it was kind of it was melted down for parts. So like this movie that never got made is in like every movie in some <laughs> weird form or another. Like it's crazy. That's incredible. I didn't know that angle of it. I, I've been a, a huge fan of Dune for as long as I can remember. And yeah, that's that just makes me want to see this doc even more now. Yeah, I, I, in fact, like, please do, like, let me know what you think when you've seen it, because, like, uh, Jodorowsky, like, changes the, the ending of the novel, and, like, don't get me wrong, man, like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, like, I'm a big Incal guy, like, I'm a big Meta Barons guy, but, like, there's part of me where I saw, you, you hear his kind of, his take on, like, how his version of Dune would have ended, and there's a, I was kind of going like, huh, like that's that, you know, I mean, look, I'm not saying my take on Dune is authoritative, right? But like, <laughs> my, my, like, but it, it certainly is like, it's the opposite of what I always thought Dune was, you know what I mean? So I was a bit like, okay, like, I mean, you know, like, I, I, I want to see it, like, I'd be interested to see how it shakes out, but that is not what I got from that novel, like, at all, you know? Oh, yeah, that, that waters, or the waters in that book are very deep. And I'm yeah, curious yeah. to see how he would have ended it because I would say Dune has an almost perfect ending. Um, because if you read that, that book, just thinking, Oh, Paul is the hero the whole time. It's like, yeah, but he's also a very tragic Dude. character. He's, no, he's like, been... I, 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 like my, my, yeah. Like, I mean, okay. I, well, I guess we're doing this, but like, no, I mean, <laughs> I mean like, but it, it, it's like, it, it, to my mind, the whole thing is like, um, just like, but like not to put too fine a point on it like you know messiahs are like a pretty bad idea oh right? yeah absolutely and and he knows that you know through his yeah. his prescient visions of the future he knows the whole time that he's hurtling towards this abyss and there's nothing he can do to stop it and yeah and yeah so in in just the way that that book ends it's him fully accepting that you know fully yeah. stepping in and being like i i just have to accept that this terrible thing that I've seen in countless visions and I've tried so hard to keep from happening is going to happen. And I'm fully embracing it in its horror and everything. And yeah, yeah it's a, so it's watch a brilliant the, watch, watch the doc, watch the documentary. Right. And then like, <laughs> seriously, like you got my email, like let me, and, and then with, with that in mind, let me know what you think. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's a trip. <laughs> 
I know Joe could talk Dune with you for like the next day. Honestly, I'm sure. I I did have a go on and on about Duncan Idaho. Yeah. Although, like, you know, you know how we're talking. You know how we were saying about how, like, you know, so many movies are like the same movie under the hood when they kind of jump genres. Oh yeah. Um. Dune is pretty much Lawrence of Arabia, right? Yeah. Right? Oh, 100%. Just it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, in right. there's been so much that's been borrowed from Dune because, I mean, it had such a huge effect on George Lucas that there's so many different elements of Star Wars where when then people see Dune, they're like, oh, that's like Star Wars. It's like, no, no, no. No, Star Wars is like Dune. <laughs> It's and, just that, you know, yeah. they hit it big with a, a big movie that connected to more audiences. Well, but. yeah, like, and Star, and Star Wars is also the hidden fortress, like, very conspicuously. And, like, yeah, like, it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Did you like the 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 uh, the Dune movie that just recently came out? I like I'm a I'm a I'm a like I'm a huge kind of Villeneuve guy anyway like I think Enemy is just like it's one of the best I think it's one Enemy I think is one of the best films about um like toxic masculinity like ever made um but no I like I I I have to say like I I absolutely loved it but I mean it was interesting because you know, I, I didn't. I didn't watch it with anyone who hadn't read the book, right? I went to see it with a bunch of guys who read the book, and when you're watching it, you know, Chalamet's performance is so kind of internal. But the weird thing is, people who've read the book know what he's thinking, and uh-huh. people who haven't read the book have no idea what he's thinking. And I thought that was really interesting. It's like, hang on, like I've got like. Like I'm loving this because I know what's going through his head, but I don't know what it's like for other people who who haven't read it. It must be a very different film. Must be a very different film. That almost verbatim. That was the same thought I had with it. Is that there's (laughs) he made it as such a love letter to people who are giant fans of the source material that he left (laughs) so much of the source material unspoken, and it's just in little things like like the way that Timothy Chalamet is you know, in his head during parts of it, or some of the iconography and imagery that's in the background, uh, the yeah. way that the bowl fighting and stuff keeps coming up, but they're not going to go so far as to tell you what it means. But yeah. in, in, yeah. and so part of me, the, and, and I still stand by this after I first saw it, I was like, I hope this is going to be the key that intrigues people into then going the next step and reading the novel. And that, because it's not a big paperback, it's an, it's an easy read. And then go back and watch the movie again it's beautifully and have all written, these though, moments of, oh, oh, yeah, that first Dune book is it's incredible. And it's it's just one of those fantastic writing devices, too, that is so Frank Herbert with the the plots within plots within plots. And yeah, yeah. Uh, it, and there's so many different themes going on in it as well. Um, yeah. Dune. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. I love talking with you about this, Alex. I love that Brian's just sitting here like, Jesus, they just keep talking about it. Uh, I know. No, this is great for me. I'm just like, finally, you know, I feel like I've been in this marriage with Joe and 
And he's been trying to like, you know, talk to me about Dune. And I'm just like, no, I just want to watch the real housewives over here. And now you've got, now Joe's got his little Dune buddy, you know? And so now I can just, I can watch the real housewives and you've got your little play pal. So it's, you know, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll be your Dune buggy. Joe. <laughs> Are you, are you on Twitter? I'll be hitting you up. Hundred <laughs> percent, man. Like, well, for as long as it's around, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> or it yeah. just melts. <laughs> Elon Musk. Um, Elon Musk is one of the operators, and uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> he's going to chop it down for parts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He doesn't know how yeah. the Twitter ecosystem really works. <laughs> it, it it is like I'm mad. Like I, I, you know, okay. I mean, it's a bit of digression, but I mean, like someone was saying the other day, like it's like, did he think he was going to kind of take it over and everyone was going to be nice to him? That's like it's Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> What? Uh, like what? <laughs> it's, it's it's literally a vent of hell. Like why would you? <laughs> and he is just doubling down on everything that people yeah. hate. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, and then, but then keeps being like surprised that people are being mean to him. Like uh. it's Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> keyboard comfort is real and even restricted yeah. to 140 characters people are going to be dicks <laughs> <laughs> this is it it's it's I, I don't know man like i i always feel like um a, a friend of mine sort of said like you know like tw yeah twitter's great but like you are in a trench you know what i mean like you're okay when like you're with your own people and you're having a kind of conversation about the things that you like but when you kind of stray outside that, you're literally like you're putting your head above the parapet, man. Oh and yeah, then, <laughs> and then you, you see know, like you see somebody running at you with a bayonet, and you're just like, oh shit, here we go. <laughs> but no, but like, but like that's what he's doing, man. Like that, like that guy is like he's out there, isn't he? Like he's like he's out there with like a golf sale sign in no man's land, naked, <laughs> like just running around. <laughs> <laughs> why, 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 why is this happening to me? You know, like, because you bought it. Like, it's yours now. Like, you're trapped in there with everyone. Like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. Like, it's probably the end of civilization, but like, it's still pretty funny. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a question about the operators. Um, Please, <laughs> no, it's cool. <laughs> um, when they so when they take so when they take over, um, when they take over like a a, a creature or or some a, a, an alien when they take over another alien, they start to feel its nature, its instincts as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's it's basically. I mean, that that's kind of integral, right? Is is um, they are kind of limited by. I mean, you know, as we are, right? Um, uh, um, you know, you have a limbic system that has a 
certain kind of load bearing capacity for certain hormones and like neurotransmitters, right? So, you know, these things, you know, if they go into an animal that is, uh, particularly kind of aggressive, um, they don't know what to do that, you know, they can't, they could, they can't handle it. I mean, and, and where that came from really, I mean, I, I can pinpoint that. I, I mean, I remember just sort of, um, you know, because I, I got a, I got quite a young son, and I, I was talking to a friend who has, um, you know, a, 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 a teenage son who is, you know, um, having some having some moments, right? And um, he 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 was re- he articulated it really beautifully, right? He was because um, you know I think a lot of people don't know you know don't know how to kind of handle teenagers, but he was saying you know no like you know he's. He's trying to be kind of empathetic and trying to be understanding because, you know, he, he said, I, I, I have to bear in mind that, you know, my child is currently under basically uh, like biochemical assault. And I was like, oh, shit, like I've never thought about it in those terms. But, you know, you are basically there's all these like weird growth hormones and like there's like a whole, you know, ton of like testosterone and like dopamine and again you know um uh you know all, all of these weird kind of hormones that you know you you're you know and they're basically kind of happening to a child right yeah, from yeah. the age of like 13 to 15 like there's this child your baby is kind of being absolutely ambushed by these chemicals that you know it takes a long time to learn how to handle them it takes a long time to learn how to handle um aggression and feelings of despair and you know the unfamiliarity of the body and all this sort of stuff and so i just imagined okay well logically if you were if you were an alien and you were suddenly placed in one of these bodies like you know what would it be like to be placed inside something like a wolf like that would be unbearable right it would just be unbearable what would you do um, so yeah, that's kind of that. That was sort of where that came from. That's uh, and yeah, I never thought about that with going through puberty. That's insane. I like that. I like that. Uh, connection. Yeah, like not not again. Like not me. Like I stole it. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, what, what can yeah, what what will you take credit for in this book, Alex? Uh, the art. <laughs> the- uh, <laughs> <laughs> All the pens, I guess. Use some pens and stuff. <laughs> Sourcing paper. <laughs> no, you're a huge driving force as to why this book was an enjoyable read. I'm telling you, like this, this concept is incredible. Oh, thanks, but th- seriously, like it was, you know, you you never. You kind of just spoon feed us what we need. You don't give us like this insane exposition dump with characters spelling everything out. You're, 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 you're treating the, the reader, um, uh, with some respect here and, and not just, you know, giving us everything. You're letting us kind of like figure things out on the fly. And I kind of love that. And it really paid off in that last panel when we're getting like the, the full grown version of this Tarzan character that we've been introduced to earlier at a younger age. And, you know, him saying the word control, it's like the one word that he, you know, remembers from the previous encounter. And I mean, just the look on his face, it's just like, Oh my God, it's, 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 it's an incredible uh, way to end this issue. It's a, it's a great hook to get readers back to the second issue 
Um, so I can't wait. I've, I've added this to my pull list since reading it. So just wanted you to know that. Um, that's uh, genuinely like, thank you. I mean, uh, you know, it, it matters. It means a lot. Thank you. Genuinely, Brian. I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. It, the, the book, um, it's going to hit comic book stores December 7th. Yeah, December 7th. Uh, pre-order cutoff is uh, November 14th. Um, so, uh, and that, that, that's, that's in the US, I think. So, um, I mean, obviously there'll be, there'll be copies available on the shelves, but yeah, if it, if it's possible to get pre-order, if, it, if it's possible to kind of contact your comic book store, if you're in a position to, uh, to contact the comic book store, like I'd appreciate it just because, you know, every kind of pre-order counts and it, it gives, it gives retailers a kind of baseline to sort of know how much to order for the next month and so on. Absolutely. Well, we got some pretty nice, we got some pretty nice variants going on as well. Like we got one, one, um, from Martin Simmons, um, who obviously is the artist of Department of Truth. One from Sean Phillips, who obviously, you know, criminal, reckless, marble zombies. Oh, I love um, Sean Adam Phillips. Yeah, man. Like, I mean, he's, um, like, I'm, I'm so lucky I got him. He's, um, like, I've known him for about 15 years. He lives about, he lives about 15 minutes up the road from me. So I just asked him, you know, do you mind doing us a variant? <laughs> just doing me a solid. He said, yeah. So, I mean, you know, we, we're really lucky we got him. And we've also got one as well um, on, on, again, a friend. Uh, Christian Ward's done an absolutely beautiful one for us, uh, which is just, you know, helpless, our kind of human antagonist, you know, sort of lurking in the shadows. Everyone, everyone's kind of gone, uh, you know, I think it sort of, it, it gave it gave all those kind of artists an opportunity to sort of really sort of cut loose on the sort of primal kind of bloody stuff. So, yeah. 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 Oh, you know, the hook for me reading it, I was just like, oh, my God, a polar polar bear versus like, you know, a gorilla. (laughs) Okay, let's do this. What an opening scene. Yeah, it it was. But it's it's a total kind of playground. Like it's a playground pairing. Right. Like that was kind of the approach was like just like, you know, uh, but then like I actually read around it and like uh, uh, apparently like (laughs) apparently like a polar bear would just absolutely like it would go through a gorilla like tissue paper oh my god have you ever (laughs) yeah polar bears have you ever seen the videos of polar bears on youtube there's like this one guy and he's like in this observation kind of like in like the plexiglass yeah in the the bears trying to get into him yeah yeah Yeah. that's wild yeah i mean the the one that got me terrifying they're terrifying but like um the, the one that got me recently, and again, you know, I like I live in a small country with like small like small fauna, right? Um, and like I've got a Canadian, I got I got a Canadian buddy um, who was like telling me like about as a kid, like you know, like they like he, like he accidentally like ran over a moose, and I was like, oh, drag, you know, thinking it's like a deer or something. Um, have you seen a moose? They're like a it's walking like size of a horse. It's like a walking tank. It's no, they're bigger than horses, man. It's it's dude. It's a dinosaur. A moose is. <laughs> it's a dinosaur. Like they're they're insane. Like they're not from Earth. Like, they're absolutely enormous. Yeah, Rocky and Bullwinkle <laughs> lied to us as children. Like <laughs> I, th- I just thought they were like deer. Like they're not like deer. But they're dinosaurs. <laughs> Yeah, they're humongous. They're scary big. Like if you hit one with a car, it's they probably cause far more fatalities than than deer crashes. 
what like that was the thing that kind of that was the thing that kind of uh made me kind of cognizant of 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 because like i i said to david i said oh like you hit it you hit a moose with your truck and he was like yeah man like the like the truck was screwed <laughs> it's like the truck was screwed <laughs> what like <laughs> really he's like he's like oh no they derailed trains wow what like yeah <laughs> I don't know how. Why were we talking about moose? Oh, it was me. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we went from we yeah we went from polar bears to gorillas to moose. Next, we're gonna I'm gonna bring hippos are pretty badass too. You know, <laughs> dude. Apparently, like apparently they're assholes as well. Yeah, like you wouldn't. Yeah, like you wouldn't credit it, but apparently they're like they're deeply like cantankerous. Like they're re- you can you can annoy a hippo like real easy. I watched the documentary. It was called Hippos: Nature's Asshole. <laughs> can you imagine Attenborough narrating that? <laughs> Watches the unsuspecting kayakers float down the river. <laughs> But an asshole looks beneath the surface. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not 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 placid like you thought they were. Yeah, it's, it's kind of terrible, isn't it? Really. Um, yeah. Are we going to see a hippo in a future issue now? <laughs> I mean, now. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to leave that on the table, right? Like, I mean, I've got to put it. I got to put a hippo and a moose in there somewhere now after this conversation. I mean, it really just it just needs to be, yeah, just like deadly combat. <laughs> that's why people are like paying. That's what that's what that's that's what people want, right? Like, I got to give people what they want. Uh, I'm just thinking about like all those all those times of playing hungry hungry hippos when i was a kid and not realizing that these marble eating these marble gobblers are assholes <laughs> yeah i mean they're terrible man like they don't pay their taxes yeah you know they never carry terrible thing. they never carry exact bus change you can't loan no. them your records you'll never get them back angry drivers yeah <laughs> like like can't hold down marriages. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, can you can, uh, back to your book? Um, <laughs> can you give us any teases for you know um, some some things that we can look forward to in upcoming issues? I don't want you to spoil anything, but uh, maybe just some some light teases. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, uh, it, it's going to become bizarrely quite a kind of, uh, quite a kind of personal book. Um, I think quite a sort of emotional book. Um, I don't think it's going to go in the direction people expect, right. In, in the sense that, you know, yes, you know, the, the reason people are buying a ticket to this ride is because like they want to see murder and mayhem and that's all coming. Uh, but hopefully there's kind of going to be a bit more of a kind of emotional payoff that I don't think people are necessarily going to be expecting. 
um so i'm sort of leaning into that um it's um because yeah you know yeah there's all this stuff in there about kind of control um uh but um i think that there's also about uh, there's a lot in there as well about um boundaries right whether it be sort of you know boundaries between you know like the alien habitat and like the the earth-like habitat Mm -hmm. but there's also about sort of you know the, the boundaries that people kind of put up that they use to kind of compartmentalize their lives and how those don't work either i guess so I would say, yeah, you know, come, yeah, you know, come, come for the mayhem, come, you know, come, come for the violence, but, you know, um, stay for the feels. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. Like, uh, I, I always enjoy when I read, like, uh, when I complete reading something like, uh, whether it be a mini series or an ongoing and I just put the book down and my mind is blown and I really have to just kind of sit back and kind of, uh, uh, process what i've read and that's the kind of stuff that sticks with you is the emotional stuff you know for as cool as it was in in the new movie prey watching the predator fight a bear i mean it had other deeper themes in the movie that i thought about as well fantastic movie yeah yeah i loved it really did love it um yeah no absolutely i mean that's the thing isn't it it's 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 not kind of additive it's um I mean, again, it's like, I mean, like I come back to, I come back to RoboCop, um, <laughs> I guess like, you know, yeah. I mean, on the one hand, yeah. Okay. You know, it, it's a guy with like an, you know, uh, a handgun that's like a machine gun that comes out of a robot leg. And he shot a rapist in the dick. And he shot a rapist. Yeah. Shot a, shot a guy in the dick, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> but it, but it, but it, you know, it, it's, but it, it's also, isn't it? It's, um, it's the guy that kind of, you know, um, you know, the, the, the I, it took me a long time, man. Like I've, I've watched that movie so many times, but like, I was like, where does, where's the point where he wins? And like the point where he wins, isn't it, is when he gets to tell, he gets to tell the CEO of the company that made him, he gets to tell him his own name. He says, you know, what's your name, son? He says Murphy. And like, that's his win. Yeah. Is, you know, he, he took his name back. Um, and yeah, like in a movie that's otherwise about shooting a guy in the dick, you know, right. like, it, it's great. It, like <laughs> that's, you know, it's the magic of story. I, I, I'm a huge RoboCop fan as well. Like I, I, I think I just watched the movie again, like a couple of months ago. I saw a meme yesterday that I actually posted and it was like, guy dies, still called into work. <laughs> and it was a picture of RoboCop. <laughs> That's a, do you know that? It, but like that, that that movie genuinely, I think, has the one of the most um, one of the most beautifully um, like pr- like profoundly moving and succinct lines I've ever heard. Like I still, it's like a miracle of dialogue. You know, which you try and be attuned to it. But like you remember that bit right at the end where like um, Lewis has been shot and she's like, "Oh, Murphy, like I'm a mess." Mm-hmm. And I, I like he just says, but there's just such there's just this sadness in his voice, and he just says, "They'll fix you. They'll, they fix everything." Wow. And I was, oh, it's just beautiful, man. They fix everything, like the the doom in that, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the it's the Citizen Kane of 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 of, of robot cop movies. And you're you're so right. It's it's one of those things where I saw it completely different when I was a kid and then watching it again as an adult. It's a completely different experience. Yeah. But that's value, right? Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, almost like going back, to, right back to the beginning of the conversation. Like, I think that, you know, there's a word for that and that is value, right? It's like, I mean, you know, I work in comics. Now, the argument can be made that it's, and, and you know, looking things like this is not useful, but like, it's not, it's not a, it's not an efficient medium in the sense that it's, hundreds often thousands of man hours to produce something that very often can take sort of 15 to 20 minutes to read right so that's that's a, that's a, that's i mean but you know you, you could say make the same argument about film right so film you know it's millions of man hours for two hours of entertainment right so there's a similar level of kind of efficiency to that now how do you how do you diminish how do you reduce that ratio how do you bring that up well the added value of a reread right oh so yeah. it has to be entertaining on a first reading but if you if you even if you look at it in sort of really brute terms if you reward rereadings if you reward reviewings then you're 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 adding value for readers you're adding value for viewers i mean it, it's as much a kind of um it's as much it's going to sound really kind of crude and I don't mean for it to, but like, it's almost as much of a kind of, I certainly think it's almost as much of a kind of economic proposition as it is a kind of, uh, almost a more sort of like a culturally kind of like ineffable proposition. You know what I mean? It's if, if I'm sitting there and I'm reading Watchmen, not when I'm not for one second saying that what I've produced is like within a hair of that, obviously, but if I sit there and read Watchmen 25 times, man, like I'm, you know, if nothing else, I'm getting my money's worth, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, especially today with people just wanting instant quick gratification, it's like why well, we've got TikTok and people just are flipping through and watching stuff. But to actually go back and watch something over and over again, I think of like, you know, yeah, Watchmen's a great instance. Uh, Christopher Nolan movies, I always feel see myself at watching Christopher Nolan movies twice. I feel like it's a different experience upon the second watch, having the knowledge of what yeah. I watched on the the first time, and and your comic as well. I mean, I read through your 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 first issue here, you know, three times, and each time I I left with Whoa. something. Yeah, I left with, with something new, um, and so there's a lot to be said, especially for the value of our time and reading something. Mm over and over and over again. So I, you know, you're, you're definitely making something that's going to, um, uh, spark discussion. And then, and then also I think, uh, the rereadability and, um, uh, it, there, there's just, a, a it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's high concept sci-fi, but it's, it's, it's a fun read as well. And it's, it's beautiful eye candy from the art. So I think it's a success, um, when it comes to story and art, it's, it, it, it's, it, it's pretty amazing what you've done. I know you won't take too much credit except for the art, but I really think that there's a, there's a fantastic deep story um, that uh, I think our listeners would get a lot of value of out of. So, yeah, I, I appreciate that, man. Thank you very much. Seriously. Like I'm English, so I have no idea what to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> but uh, um, it has been absolutely fantastic talking with you. I didn't want to cut this short if you had anything else that you wanted to to say about the book. No, I think I've used all the words. Uh... <laughs> Where – Okay, so where can our if our people if our listeners would like to to follow? Do you have anything that you'd like to plug on the socials, a website, you know, anything that our listeners can do to to help support you and help support this book? I'd love for you to be able to get it out there. Sure, thank you. yeah. Uh, okay, um, so I mean, I'm on I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter again and, until <laughs> it melts. Uh, uh, just as at uh, at Alex Patnadel. That's uh, A L E X P A K A N A D E L. Um, I'm on Facebook, but I'm a lot more boring on there, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, apart from that, um, yeah, uh, please check out my stuff. Some of it's okay. No, I urge listeners to check this out. I, I, I think by the end of this, it's it, five issues. I mean, it's. It is, uh, and it's going to come out month to month. It's on track to come out every month. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We're yeah. I mean, um, you know, uh, we're we're ahead of the curve. Uh, you know, Casper's Casper's a professional. Uh, it's uh, yeah. It's you know. I mean, look, barring catastrophe, God forbid. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's monthly. And, oh, one thing I did want to ask is the yeah. the inspiration for the title of the book, "All Against All." Can you give me the story there? Yeah, sure. It's um, it's from. <laughs> uh, we, I thought I was being real clever with it uh, because it's actually it's a it's a reference to uh, Leviathan by Thomas Hobbes, um, one of the great sort of. Uh, theories of, of of state you know where he refers to you know uh uh institutions as being kind of a bulwark against uh, a war of all against all basically uh so it's you know it's got sort of uh it's got real kind of uh, sort of uh political philosophy like pedigree but i also think it sounds like a cage match so right yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it yeah so we thought we were kind of covering all the bases like it, it does you know it sounds like <laughs> yeah like you know if 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 you're like if you if, you know if if you sort of know your hobs then you'll kind of go oh yeah they're doing that but you know other than that you know it still sounds like something where someone's getting punched in the face with barbed wire or something so yeah <laughs> we, 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 we thought we, we, we thought we were being real clever yeah <laughs> like, well, it's very fitting for, you know, what's going on inside these biomes. Uh, and the world, dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 A hundred percent. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that was it really was, it was just that idea of it being sort of like a zero sum system because like, um, you know, again, because they don't know how anything fits together. Um, you know, you're not going to get any kind of, um, I guess, uh, stability, uh, you know, everything's going to be kind of perpetually in flux because you've got all these weird predators that have like no business being on the same continent, all attacking each other, like at the same time. So like the whole thing is just this like disgusting bloodbath. So yeah, we thought like all against all fit, like there was a lot of back and forth about the title actually, like, but it was one of those weird things where, um, 
I think like I ran it past uh, Chris Ryle, the uh, the editor, and he was like, "Oh man, like can we can we circle back around to that?" And then like he came back to me a week later, and he was like, "You know what? It's like it's great." And I was like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, no, but but it's one of those ones where like I think like but yeah, because like to begin with, like you, you know, it it, it 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 takes a second to kind of click. But I I think I think it's a you know I could, again I could be wrong. People hate it, but like. I like. I, I really like it as a title. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. You like something that you did. We yeah, g- man. <laughs> we got it out of him, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm. 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 I made some pretty good French toast this morning. <laughs> right. so, nice. Yeah. I'm. <laughs> I'm not the worst dad. So it's all. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, it has been awesome speaking with you. And, uh, you too, man. Thank you. I Sorry mean, for talking. Uh, I know I talk. I talk. I talk up a storm. I apologize. Oh my god! Me, Seriously, no. I'm glad that you talk up a storm because it would have been just me and Joe, kind of like, like, what is with this guy who's not talking about his book? <laughs> yeah. Seriously, the only time he's been talking is when we brought up hippos, man. Like, what is? Yeah. So or, no. Or, or if it had just yeah, just be like ah, oh, like. What's your favorite humming noise? Yeah, just <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Seriously, I, I listeners get out there, and I mean, you can uh, you can go to your uh, LCS, your local comic shop. You can put this on your pull list if you don't have an LCS. I mean, there's tons of different online comic book services that you can go through. I go through Gmart and I create a pull list on their website. You can go through Midtown Comics. You can go through Atomic Empire. Uh, there's so many different ones out there. You can also read this digitally if you want to. I prefer physical copies. I like to have something tactile in my hands that I can look at, something that I can display. But uh, definitely put all against all on your pull list. Five issues and uh, I'm telling you, it, you're not going to regret it. It is a fantastic Fantastic book. And Alex, I think that people are just going to get it because they've enjoyed listening to you talk with me. And Joe, you're just a, such a fun and personable guy. Joe's going to get it just because you're a Dune fan, for crying out loud. So <laughs> that's great, man. Thank you. Like, um, yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. I think, um, I don't know, sometimes like maybe the accent does a lot of heavy lifting, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Like, I, I always get this weird thing. Like I, I was in I was in Portland a few years ago, and I kept getting like I kept getting free shit for being English. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. Not <laughs> genuinely, like I was getting like free coffee and stuff, and they were like, "Don't you worry about it." I'm like, really? Like I never got that in like L.A. or like New York because like yeah, there's like millions of us. Like they know that we're like they know that we're that, like they know like. In New York, they know that we're garbage people, but like I think I don't think there's too many of us in Portland, so like we're still like not like a novelty, you know what I mean? So they were just it was weird, man. Like I was just going to the shops and they were just like giving me free stuff. I was like, wow, like I could like survive here just by speaking. That is amazing. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. That's the complete. That is the complete opposite of like what I experienced. I've had people give me free shit just to have me shut the fuck up. So. Um, <laughs> Listen, listen, Brian, I'll let you drive off the lot right now in this brand new 2022 Honda Civic if you just fucking shut up. Uh, About Dune. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 
But th- no, seriously, send our best to Casper. To, uh, let him let him know he's doing an awesome job on this book. Uh, incredible I will. I artwork. Shall. Thank you yeah, so much. Thanks. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. It was just me. But yeah, like uh, it's it's the lateness of the hour. But like, I really appreciate you fitting me in. Thank you so much, you guys. By the way, like, are you in Chicago? I'm about two hours, two and a half hours south of Chicago. So I'm in what they call central Illinois. So. Right. Yeah. I'm in between. Uh, I'm in between Chicago and St. Louis. So. Ah, yeah. I've I've been I've been to I've been to and enjoyed both. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I enjoy both as well. Like lots of, lots of different places to eat and lots of different things to do. So yeah, it's nice. Deep, deep fried rav- deep fried ravioli, man. Deep fried ravioli. Uh, <laughs> we should beautiful. Tell you what, we're gonna it's do it. We're gonna do a two parter podcast. The the second part is just gonna be a hundred percent about deep fried ravioli, everybody. So. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and like and, and like and like pizza etiquette. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not a fan of the pizza in St. Louis. Sorry if anybody from St. Louis is listening. I've had some St. Louis pizza. Uh, they put a I don't know. There's something with the cheese there. I don't know. Uh, like I, I was talking to Matt Rosenberg about this, and he said like he was um he like he, he went to like a bunch of like cons in Canada. And he said, "There's, uh, he said, there's, there's a chain up there called Boston Pizza." And he was like, "That's not a thing, like, like Boston. I'm sure you can get very, very fine pizza in Boston, but like, but like, conceptually, like Boston Pizza isn't a thing." Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. Make, makes you <laughs> See, wa- <laughs> makes you wonder why it's a chain. <laughs> yeah yeah like i i think i think because like if they said like new york pizza like, yeah i think like people would have taken umbrage do you know what i mean like some like some stuff would have gone down if they'd said like this is new york pizza like i think yeah like you know if if, if a new yorker had come up like there would have been like a, a you know there would have been trouble you know what's really taken off is that detroit style pizza that's what i was gonna say is my favorite kind we've got a a uh, pizzeria here in in my area that the Detroit style crusts that they do are fucking magical. It's so. Would good. you would, would would you mind uh would you mind telling me what this is? By the way, you know what I said earlier on, like you know, like the weird conversation that we were going to have. Like we're going to have that now. So, so what, is it, <laughs> what, what is what is Detroit style pizza, please? Okay, so it, it's like a pan style pizza. So it's got the thicker right. crust on it. And yeah. the way that they make the pizza, they almost do it kind of upside down where they they put the dough inside the pan and then they put the cheese on first and then put the sauce on and toppings over the top of the cheese. And they take the cheese all the way to the edge of the pan. So when it cooks inside that deep dish pan, that cheese like on the crust like caramelizes and it gets very, very special. And so you're essentially right. eating a, a deep dish piece of pizza that the cheese is uh, caramelized all the way up to the edge of the crust. It's incredible. Did, did, did you hit? Did Did you hear that? <laughs> hear what? Did, did Did you hear that? Was that your no. stomach? No, just, no, no, no. Just, just, just. Like, if you really pay attention, you can hear an Italian screaming. <laughs> <laughs> just, just really faintly. <laughs> like, that's not pizza. <laughs> just their soul, just dying. 
Mamma Mia. <laughs> yeah. Every time, what is it? Every time a, a bell rings and ancient. I'm pious, man. Like, I, 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 I firmly believe Hawaiian pizza is a thing. Like, I love it. Oh, I do yeah. too. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, man. It's, it's a great combo. Who cares? <laughs> it's ours now. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> There's not a lot of pizzas I don't like. You know, I have you ever tried the the cheese curd pizza where they put the cheese curds on and then they melt? Oh my god! Oh, that sounds incredible. Oh, it's good. I, I, you know, I've not like I, I, I got to be honest, man. Like I, I, I tried Chicago style and I was like, I, like I know this is the look. Okay, fine. Um, I think like Chicago dogs are incredible. Oh yeah, Chicago dogs like the with like the green stuff. Like oh my god. Uh, absolutely, like just heaven. Uh, but like, yeah, the, like I, I have to say, man, like I do prefer a New York slice. You know, like I think with the Chicago stuff, I was like, it's great, but like it's, it really is like cake in tomato soup. Our like a sponge of, cake in tomato soup. One of our friends, Rebecca, she she's from New York, and she she just you know she'll go to war for New York style <laughs> yeah. pizza. But she basically says that Chicago style pizza is like it's just a casserole. <laughs> so it's just- yeah, yeah, pretty much, man, pretty much. But like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I think like you know the the idea of the New York slice as well. Like, it always comes with a sort of delicate frisson because, like, I mean, I wasn't privy to this because, like, I went home. But like, we we just got back from New York Comic Con about like three weeks ago, and like, there was just a bunch of Brits went out, and um. Like I, I went home because like I'm I'm old now and I need to sleep. But like a bunch of the guys kind of stayed out and like they all like they were kind of kind of hanging around like Midtown and they all went for like a slice late at night and they they got like a floor show. So like they went in to get their like you know dollar slice and everything and it was like delicious obviously. But like there were guys in there like throwing around chairs and stuff and like it just got really out of control and like the cops came and everything. So they got like a whole floor show. Like, you know, that's more than a dollar's worth. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Like, you America. Like the, 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 the full, like, you know, New York experience, you know, delicious pizza and like, yeah, you know, uh, like PG 13 violence. Fantastic. Yeah, Joe, you're not going to believe this, but it was actually at a Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this animatronic mouse. I'm throwing a chair at him. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's incredible. Yeah, I went to go get pizza and then I watched a Roadhouse sequel. So. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of the Jeff Healy band, it's the Chuck E. Cheese band. Yeah. (laughs) They're playing behind a cage. (laughs) People are chucking bottles at Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) <laughs> that, that's a, I, I'll, I'll like the thing is though like i mean like i'm acting like you know in any way like nationally that like our, our shit doesn't stink like I, I remember like um thought bubble is like the big sort of comic show that we do like here in the uk and they, they used to hold it in um in leeds like you know one of our one of our sort of bigger cities and i remember like i was having um <laughs> I mean, please try not to laugh, but like I, I was having like uh, what what we may for convenience term barbecue uh, in the UK. And like I, th- I think I was sitting with like it was like Rosenberg and Michael Walsh and we were sitting there and it was like 630 in the evening or something. And um, there was a, a bachelorette party was like coming up the street um, and it was 
uh, like they were they were really really wasted, and like one of them had like um, an inflatable like let's call it an organ like an inflatable organ like, <laughs> fell over in the middle fell over in the middle of the road and like a bus stopped in front of them and they started trying to like fight the bus with the inflatable <laughs> organ and everything and like i'm sat with like a like a like a really kind of like a like a really pleasant like canadian guy and like and and like you know a new yorker and i was kind of looking at them and and they were kind of looking at this you know with that sort of detached, like, like, at, like an Attenborough, they were looking at it like Attenborough, right? And I sort of said to them, and I said to Matt, I said, like, do you not, you like, you live in New York, dude? Like, do you not, do you not get this kind of thing in New York? And he was like, yeah, but like, not at dinner time. <laughs> we get, we get it at like three a.m., but like, we don't get it like when, like, we're sitting down for dinner. I was like, okay, well, there you go. My dream yeah. is for issue three of all, ver- all Against All for the operators to go back into the habitat and see exactly what you just told me and Joe about. <laughs> like, whoa, we've been gone a long time. There's a, yeah. There are women attacking a bus with an inflatable dildo. What is going on here? <laughs> 100% man. Yeah. Put, uh, and a hippo and a moose. <laughs> <laughs> Just put it all out there. Uh, uh, anyway, on that note, gentlemen, yes, uh, it's 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 no, it, it uh, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, thank you, and you're welcome I, back. I hope so. I, ho- I hope some of that was useful. Oh no, 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 no! It's all been useful. Yeah, it's, it's all been right. <laughs> Um, but you're great to talk to, Alex. Actually, I'm going. Oh, let, thanks, man. You too. 